We are in for a special treat, okay? Normally when I get up here, I say we have a special guest. This is not a guest, all right? I say this every time she's here. She's not a guest. She's a part of our City First Church family. She just happens to live on the other side of the pond over in the UK. But you know what? She comes here often. If you've been to the original women's conference, if you've been to like the Thrive Youth and Young Adult Conference, if you've been to a Sunday morning that she has been here, um, I'll tell you what, it is always, always a special thing to have Charlotte with us. Now, Charlotte and her uh, husband, Steve, um, live in the UK, but you need to know, they are very, very close friends uh, with Jen and I. We've gone on vacations together. Um, we connect together. And you know, it's always, you're always good friends. Like when last night she flew in and we just sat around the dinner table and just kind of like just chatted until like midnight. You know, they are very, very close friends to us. We love them very much. They have blessed this church in many ways. And you know what? I thank God for the day that the Gambles and the DeWerts cross paths. But ladies and gentlemen, today we have Charlotte with us and I want you to get to your feet and stand up and give a City First Church welcome to Charlotte Gamble. know me so you're still on your feet and if you sat down that's because you don't know me and so you have to stand back up on your feet I know it's so confusing do I stand do I sit we're we're gonna stand because we're gonna pray I always believe that the best way that we can enter this part of the service is by honoring the very words that are gonna change our lives the words that are not man's words they're not an opinion they're the truth and the truth sets us free and I always believe that if we're going to set the atmosphere right, then we should stand to attention and honor the one who is about to speak into all of our lives. And I'm just so privileged and honored to be back with you. You are family to me. Uh, Pastor Jeremy and Jen are dear, dear friends of ours. And I say that just not like we're friends and it's just like, you know, we have a nice friendship, but we're friends on purpose for purpose, that our friendship is rooted in building God's house and that in involves this house that me and my husband feel that we are part of helping build here and this team. And so today I want to build and today I want to help and today I'm excited about what God's given me to share. So let's just pray. God, I thank you for, for what today represents. God, it was on this day that people came and they honored Jesus. Lord, so often we fail to stop and honor you, Jesus. We just honor you, for there is no one like you. No one even comes close to you. You're the hope in our hopelessness. You're the light in the darkness. You're the way where there seems to be no way. You're the comforter when our whole world feels like it's falling apart. You're the joy in the morning. You're the rest in the evening. You're the peace in the pain. You're all of those things. And so we just stop and honor you, for there is no one like you. And we pray that today we honor you by the things that we agree to and the things that we amen and 
God, I pray today is a day of renewed action in this house. I pray we'd honor you with not just our words, but with our works. God, I pray as always that I would get out of the way so that you can have your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may take your seats. So because I'm a local church girl, because I love the house of God, when I realized I was going to be here on this particular day in our calendars, I was speaking to Pastor Jer, and I was like, you know, you know, is there anything in particular? And he's like, just help the church see the importance of the day. And I was like, I don't know if I have a message for Palm Sunday. But I said, you know what? I'm going to go away and pray, and I'm going to go get one. And I'm going to help the church see the importance of the day. And I guess I thought in my mind I would go a certain way, right? I, in my mind, I'm like Palm Sunday, you know, there's nothing really new to say about it. We'll just tell the story of Palm Sunday because it's so good in itself. And, you know, Palm Sunday, <clears throat> for many reasons, is significant. Maybe one of the greatest reasons why it's significant because it was the day when Jesus made the decision that, that there was no going back. Like Jesus had come and he taught and he'd healed and he'd helped people. But, but, but on that day, everything about that day, Palm Sunday, was not accidental or coincidental. Everything about that day that he did on that day from the sending of the disciples to get a donkey, which seemed insignificant to everyone around him, but it was not insignificant because even the fetching of a donkey, Jesus understood was the fulfilling of a prophecy that had been spoken way before about what would happen on that day. Jesus knew on Palm Sunday, every action that takes place today is me saying there is no going back, that once I sit on this donkey and once I ride down those streets, I am filling the prophecy that was recorded in Zechariah 9 verse 9 where it says, They rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt. The, the donkey was the picture that was spoken of in the prophecy of him now coming into the streets as the coming king. And it was that move that was the end of the moves to say there is no going back once I do this, once I announce this, once I ride this donkey, what happens in every day from here takes me to a place where for once and for all, it is finished, it is done, and death will be defeated. So Palm Sunday is not just about people saying Hosanna, though they did. It's not just about people laying down branches from a palm tree, though they did. It's not just about the jubilation on the streets, though there was. It was about him making a decision that was costing him everything and saying the minute I put this in action, everything that was prophesied, everything that heaven had ordained, everything that's about to go into action is triggered by this one decision. And I don't know about you, but if I knew that I was about to ride a donkey down a street knowing that it was the beginning of me walking a street where people would stay instead of Hosanna, crucify him, I think the few days before that I'd take time out. 
So when I was thinking about Palm Sunday, I began to go to the scriptures where it tells us about the event of Palm Sunday and I found myself in Luke 19. But the fascinating thing was when I went to Luke 19, which is the story of Palm Sunday, I found that Luke 19 did not begin with the story of Palm Sunday, but it backs up for us a few days earlier before he rides the donkey, before he actually gets on. It backs up a little earlier. And I was interested to know what was Jesus doing just a few days before he would ride a donkey, knowing the decision that represented, what was Jesus doing? Was he resting? Was he taking time out because he earned it and he deserved it? Was he hanging with his group and was he just pulling himself away and being a little reclusive before he went and did something where everything would change? And so I began to go back and I began to see that that actually the way that Luke 19 begins is fascinating and mind-blowing to me. And I believe this is the very thing that God has asked me to communicate to you today because we are a few days before that Easter service. And I think we should find ourselves doing what Jesus was doing a few days before he had to go and do what he did. And it's amazing to me that Luke 19 before Jesus hangs on a tree, is found looking up a tree. That a few days before Jesus is hanging on a cross, he is found looking for someone that is lost. That a few days before people throw down branches Jesus is looking into some branches. Could it be that the real message of Palm Sunday happened actually, the Bible scholars think, on the Friday, just before Palm Sunday, which by the way, would be the Friday before the Good Friday. And the Friday before the Good Friday, where he's about to give it all, we find Jesus in Luke 19 having an encounter with someone who is lost. And I'm here to remind you, church, that before Easter service kicks in, we are called to have encounters with those that are lost. Because if we don't, we don't honor the cross. We don't make sure that it actually counts for what he said it needs to count for. And we have to take an example from Jesus. And I know Pastor Jer just talked to you and we saw it on the screen about invite, invite, invite. But I'm now gonna get you by your sweet cheeks. Because I love you. And I'm not gonna let one of you leave this room without your understanding. This is not a gimmick. This is not just, you know, the church want you to invite a few people. This is not, well, I will if I, if I have time. Well, if I feel it. Well, if the opportunity arises. Well, if my neighbor looks conducive to an invitation, maybe I'll have a conversation. I'm going to grab your sweet cheeks and say, it is upon you and it is on you. And it is your responsibility as the people of God to make sure that this week you go and find every lost person up every tree and let them know that they are invited to the party. Party. I think we've got confused because in the church, 
We've used this term at times. We've said, you know, we need to be seeker sensitive, right? We've, we've talked about doing seeker sensitive. And, uh, and what we're saying is, you know, the people who are coming in the room, the people who are around the things of God for the first time, you know, we need to be sensitive because they're seeking. Well, I, I need to help correct some of your thinking because what that's done is it's put you in a position where you've forgotten actually no they might be seeking in one way but you've forgotten that you are the seeker when we talk about being seeking seeker sensitive we put it on the lost people that like they're the ones that are seeking but actually it is our job and it is our commission to go out and seek and save the lost we are the seekers and I just feel like in this game of hide and seek we're losing because we've we've made the emphasis serving instead of seeking but if we stop seeking then we're just serving the same people. If we stop seeking, then we're just doing life with the same people. If we stop seeking, then he rode that donkey just for a few when actually he rode it for everybody. And so I'm here to remind you that the game is on and you are on and you're a seeker. What's Jesus doing a few days before he goes to the cross? He's doing hide and seek with a guy up a tree. And Jesus has realized, I'm the seeker. And Jesus, right before he goes and has the most painful death, and he's betrayed and goes through all of the things that Holy Week speaks to. Before all of that, he is prioritizing stopping at the base of a tree and finding a man who he realizes is lost and speaking into his life so that he can be found. And if it was good enough for Jesus, then it needs to be good enough for us that we are spending our best energy finding those that are hiding because there is a world that are hiding and they're getting better and better at it. Hiding behind their busyness and their schedules, hiding behind their wealth, hiding behind their shame, hiding behind their sin. The, the world are getting better and better at hiding, but the problem is that we've forgotten we're supposed to be seeking. I remember years ago when our son Noah was little, his like favorite game was hide and seek. Mom, can we play hide and seek? And of course I said, yes, no problem. And so he went off and he went to hide and the problem is he's really good at that game and he was little and he could find the most amazing places to hide and so it was never a quick game and so I'd been searching for him for a little while but as I was searching for him, my phone rang <laughs> and the washing machine began to make that noise to let me know the load was done and so I took the call and went to do the laundry and I completely forgot that we were playing hide and seek. It was an hour and 15 minutes later when someone inquired, where's Noah? I was like, oh my gosh, we're playing hide and seek and I'm the seeker and the poor kid is still hiding. Eventually, when everybody else got involved in my family to try and find Noah, we found that he had crawled underneath his bed and he was hiding under the bed and because the seeker had taken so long he had fallen asleep and as I was writing this message I felt the Holy Spirit remind me of that picture there's a whole world out there in hiding and because the seekers have forgotten they've fallen asleep to their destiny 
to their calling, to their freedom, and they're waiting. Just like that man up the tree was waiting, they're waiting for us to show up. They're waiting for us to be bothered, to actually have a conversation. They're waiting, but we have forgotten that we are the seekers. And I am putting an urgency on you today by the Holy Spirit to say, you got to get back in the game. you got to get back in the game that your assignment is not done, that you are called and you are chosen. Right from the beginning, we see that God is a seeker because right from the beginning, we see that the enemy tries to hide people right back in Genesis. What's the first thing that happens when sin enters? Adam and Eve hide. What's the first thing that happens when they hide? God goes to seek. Where are you? Why are you hiding? Everything about our Savior, everything about our Father, everything about our Almighty God is built to seek That's why there are parables that we read in our Bible in Luke 15 about the lost coin. It says that there's a lost coin. And he says, you know what? We got to go find it. Because sometimes like the coin, people get lost because other people are careless with their lives. Then we read about a lost sheep that got lost because he got distracted. And sometimes people get lost because they get distracted with all the things they're chasing in life. And they tell us about a son that wanders off and he gets lost because of poor decisions. And sometimes people get lost because of bad choices. And in every one of those stories, we find Jesus is the seeker. He is the finder. He is the searcher. He is the hunt it down and bring them home. And we're like, oh, I might take a bag. I'm not sure. So let's look at the beginning of Luke 19. Jesus, the Friday, they say before the Friday that he would hang on a tree is at the base of a tree. And I want to give you a couple of things to think about, three things to think about. If you're going to be a seeker, this is what it looks like to be a seeker. Number one, seekers see. He says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Note that. He was passing through. He had a plan. He had a schedule. He was passing through just like this week. Some of you have got a plan. You've got a schedule. You're going to be passing through your week, but don't allow your passing through to prevent you from stopping where you need to stop and hanging where you need to hang. And though he was passing through, Jesus knew there was an assignment that he needed to give his attention to. And there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. But he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, all the short people said, amen. Because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, don't assume that people don't want to see this Jesus. Don't assume that people don't want to see what it looks like to live a different life than the one they've chosen. Don't assume that they're not interested in the faith that you have found that's changed your life. And so many of us are not seeing people how Jesus sees people because we assume that because Zacchaeus is wealthy, because Zacchaeus is the tax collector, Zacchaeus is not interested. But the Bible tells us he was interested. 
He had a hidden desire to see this Jesus. He'd heard about him, but he wanted to see him with his own eyes. And there are people that you do life with right now, and they want to see what this is all about, but they can't see it unless you bring them to it. They can't see it unless you sit, stop passing through and stand under the tree and see the person who's trying to see. We've lost in the church the power of observation because we've switched it out for condemnation. What do you think lost people talk like? They use words that you don't approve of. I'm sorry. They have lifestyle choices that you think they should do better. I'm sorry. They don't hang where you hang. They don't look like you look. They don't talk like you talk. They're not functioning in the way you function. That's because they're lost. But it doesn't mean they don't want to see. Doesn't mean that they don't want to see. And he says, Zacchaeus wanted to see, but he was short. And he couldn't see over the crowd. And I'm telling you, there are things in the way that these people have in their life. Uh, people want to see, but someone may judge me. People want to see, but I don't think I fit in. People want to see, but I'm not a church-going type. People want to see, but what will people think? People want to see, but my life is not perfect. All of those things are what are going on in the Zacchaeus mindset. And it takes the people of God to go and see them for who they are and speak to them for who they are. And Jesus does not know this man. Jesus does not live in this town, but Jesus sees and you know how I know he sees? Because he stands at the bottom of the tree and he says, Zacchaeus! He knows his name. Jesus has got a lot on his mind. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to ride on the street that he knows is the beginning of the end. He's got a lot on his mind, but even though he has a lot on his mind, he stops and says, Zacchaeus! Which, by the way, the meaning of that name is pure and innocent one. So Jesus is standing at the bottom of the tree, calling by name the one that everyone around has said is worthless and crook, a crook and a thief and someone that they disapprove of. And Jesus shouts out, pure and innocent! I see you, pure and innocent, I will spend time with you, pure and innocent, I will make room for you. And because we've forgotten we're seekers, we've lost the ability to see. The crowd did not see him as pure and innocent. The crowd did not see him as worthy. The crowd did not see him as important. The crowd did not even like him or approve of him, but Jesus saw. And you need this week, church, to go and find every hiding Zacchaeus and call to them the name that God speaks over them. Call to them friend. Call to them worth. 
Call to them value. Call to them loved. Call to them forgiven. Call to them the name that God would speak over them. There are people up every tree in every neighborhood, school, golf course, social club, youth club, workplace, office space, Starbucks, drive-thrus, Targets, Walmarts. They're everywhere. Zacchaeus is everywhere. This is the church. Oh, Lord, reveal which one. Take your pick. There's not a which one. Can I help you? There's not a which one. There's whomsoever will come. There's not a which one. Some of you are like, well, my prayer is for this person that I work with because that's the one who I feel the most connection with and I'm really putting all my eggs, excuse the pun, in one basket at Easter. And you know, if they don't say yes, I tried. No, how about we do an egg drop? And we go, you know what, I don't drop an invitation here. I'm going to drop an invitation here. I'm going to call to you. I'm going to go through Starbucks with my flyers. I'm going to go Target and speak to that person. I'm going to stop at the doctor's surgery and have a conversation. I'm going to call that friend that I haven't spoken to for years. I'm going to find every tree and every Zacchaeus. Why? Because he went and hung on a cross. So how can I be too busy to stop under a tree? Someone stopped one day under a tree for you. Somebody one day invited you. Somebody one day stopped passing through and stopped for you. But how soon we forget what one did for us. And now in our forgetting, we don't do it for another. But what if they hadn't stopped for you? You'd still be hiding in your sin. You'd still be hiding in your shame. You'd still be hiding in your dysfunction. You'll be still hiding in your addiction. Somebody stopped for you, so tag, you're it. You're on. Seekers, see, I see you. I'm not judging you. I see you and I get that you can't get over the crowd. I see you and I, because I'm a seeker, I'm going to get involved. Seekers don't just see. Seekers get involved. I mean, I know I'm a grown adult and so I should be past playing games. But every now and again, my kids who are also now adults, young adults, will say when we're at our friends, hey, let's have a game of hide and seek. And I'm like, there's no one under the age of 18 in this room right now, but okay. Like, we will. Like, like me, my husband, our friends, and their kids, they're all older, but we'll have a game of hide-and-seek. So much fun. I highly recommend it. Because you just want to beat your kids at the game. You're just like, I'll hide better than you. And so I remember having this game of hide-and-seek about a year ago at my friend's house, Ariana's, and we turned the lights off and the kids were all like scattered and somebody was on and I found this cupboard and I'm like, perfect. And I, I know when you open the cupboard, you're gonna see me, so I'm not stupid. So I'm like, this cupboard has stuff in it that I can place on top of me, so much on top of me that they're not gonna find me. And I remember being in this cupboard and I put the ski coats that they had in that cupboard over me and I put a pile of boots on top of me and I had bags around me. Like I was like perfectly camouflaged with all of this stuff. And can I tell you, my friend that was searching for me 
open those cupboard doors at least four times. <laughs> Every time I have like, <gasps> don't breathe, don't breathe. And I'm like, look, look, shut them. No, not here. Another five minutes go by. Look, look, no, not here. Why? Because in order to find me, you're going to have to move something off me. In order to find me, you are going to have to roll your sleeves up and begin to get some stuff out of the way because I'm there, but I'm underneath this stuff. And there are people right now just like that in your world. They're there and they want to be found, but they're underneath guilt and condemnation and feelings of worthlessness. And seekers, you don't just seek and open a door and walk away. You start moving stuff. What does Jesus do? He starts moving stuff. He's like, I see you, but that's not enough for me to see you. So Jesus takes it a step further. And now Jesus, who's about to go to the cross, is getting involved. So don't you tell me that you're too busy. Church, well, you know, this is a busy week for me. My relatives are coming in town. I've got to cook the Easter dinner got all the Easter eggs to sort out, got to get my table decorations for my Easter table. Where's the urgency? Jesus is passing through. Jesus has somewhere to be. Jesus needs to have a prophecy fulfilled. He's kind of got a big assignment on just a few hours later that he needs to tend to. But Jesus realizes if I'm going to find you, I'm going to have to see you, but now I'm going to have to get involved with you. And so Jesus says, I see you. But then Jesus says this. He says, he calls to him. And Jesus, when he reached the floor, looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. <laughs> I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. What the crowd deemed that they were too good for. Jesus is like, I'm coming to your house. What's Jesus doing? He's removing the stuff out of the way so that Zacchaeus can be found. He's like, it's not good enough. I just call to you. I need to get you to come out of your place of hiding. Now it's not good enough that I just tell you that you're worth it. I have to show you that you're worth it. And so I'm rearranging my schedule to come to your house today, to sit at your table today, to eat your food today. Though the crowd have deemed you unworthy, I will come and sit at your table and give you my full attention. Why? Because seekers get involved. And I'm challenging you this week. Some of you need to get involved. Actually, no, scrap that. This week, all of you need to get involved. Not some of you, all of you. I don't know what your plans look like, but you better check that you have room in your plans to get involved. Who are you inviting to ride in your car? Who are you going to go and pick up? Who are you saying, don't worry about the kids, I got you? Who are you saying, hey, I've got a plan. Hey, you can't do Friday? Great, I can do Saturday. Some of you are like, well, I'm serving at the services. Let me tell you what your pastors will say. They'll say, hey, just pick a service where you're going to bring people 
and get yourself off the team of serving. Serve on the other days when you're not bringing people so others in the church on that day can come off the rotor so that they can actually bring people. Listen, if you serve one, bring to the others, we'll get it all covered between us. And so we make these excuses like, oh, well, I'm serving. No, our serving shouldn't be at the expense of our seeking. So who are you seeking? Serving's easy for some of you because you get to hide. Seeking's uncomfortable. I don't want to go to their house for dinner. I don't want to be giving all my time to people that are not really my people. Wow. What if Jesus said that? Pretty sure I wouldn't be his people. Pretty sure there's more important people than me for him to hang out with. Pretty sure that most of the crowd would have walked past the English chick. Not Jesus. Jesus is like, I'm coming to your house. And you know what? I'm not coming to your house next month when I can fit you in. Immediately. Come down. Some of you are having conversations with people and you're like, oh yeah, let's check back next week. Some of them won't be here next week. Some of them will have made such a stupid decision between Monday to Thursday that they won't be able to even walk in this room on Friday. So immediately, when you see them, you say, come down. When you see them, you say, let's grab a coffee. When you see them, you say, hey, I've got five minutes now. When you see them, you say, can I pray for you now? Now? Not on Sunday, in the service, now? Can I help you now? Can I be your friend now? Jesus doing? Lifting all the baggage off. So you got to lift the baggage off. You got to get involved. You got to roll your sleeves up. You got to be willing to move stuff in your schedule and your diary because walking out of here with a little bag in your hand is not enough. Because for some of you, the bag's going to be in your hand, then it's going to sit on your kitchen counter, and then your life's going to be busy. And then you're going to look at it on Wednesday and think, well, I have to go to service tonight, and so I don't have time. And then you're going to roll back in on Thursday, and you're like, man, I need to get the kids ready for what I need to get ready. And then it gets to Friday, and you're like, oh, man, you know, I need to serve on Saturday. Then it gets to Sunday, and you're like, it's too late. I want you to get those bags in your hand after service today. I want it to be like fire in your hand, like, oh, I've got to get rid of this. My hands are burning. I want when, it, when you walk past it on the kitchen counter for you to go, oh, I feel so convicted. It's still on my counter. I pray that rests in your home this week. I pray that that's inflicted on you in the, in the nicest possible way this week. I pray that that bag is shouting at you. Some of you are like, I'm not taking a bag because she just prayed that prayer. I pray if you don't take a bag, somebody chases you out into the parking lot and throws them in your vehicle. I know you can do it because some of you are the biggest evangelists for your favorite restaurant. Some of you are the biggest evangelists for Target's special deal. So I know you can evangelize. But Target's special deal and that favorite restaurant is not gonna be bringing glory to what Jesus did on Palm Sunday. Seekers see, seekers involve. Let me end with this. After Jesus sits down at the table, 
does the bit that a seeker does. See, some of you are worried, but, but what about that awkward moment? You know, when after I've done my seeking, you know, they need finding. You know, like I, I don't feel like I can close the deal. Well, take heart. Jesus is just having dinner, having a conversation. He says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, here and now, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Check the last line. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. In other words, Jesus did the seeking, but Zacchaeus did the finding. Zacchaeus is like, I now know I am not who they say I am. I now know there is greater things in me. I now know that this is not the life that I have to leave. I now, and Zacchaeus volunteered himself into the arms of Jesus because Jesus is irresistible. Jesus is someone you can't avoid throwing yourself towards. But if we don't seek them, and if we don't bring them, and if we don't involve, then of course they'll be resistant. But when you get them down the tree and when you get them around the table and when you get them in the presence, I'm telling you, they will volunteer themselves. And I am praying and I've seen it in my heart and I'm gonna be calling Pastor Jer and Jen after next Sunday. In my heart, I've seen hands everywhere on Sunday, next week, hands everywhere. Because you'll be shocked, some of you. You're like, why? Because Zacchaeus is like, I volunteer myself. I didn't know that this was an option. Zacchaeus is in every neighborhood, in every area where you do life. And if Jesus, before he hung on a tree, could be bothered to take the time to stand at the foot of a tree, then so must we. And so this week, this is my challenge, City First, that you would this week realize I'm on that this week you will get more seeker than you have ever been in your life. This week you will become annoying to the enemy because you will not leave anyone up a tree. This week you won't be put off when that one person says no. Instead you go to the next tree and the next tree and the next tree until someone comes down. This week you'll have your eyes wide open and you'll have your diary willing to be flexible. This week you'll roll up your sleeves and you'll have a conversation and you'll say immediately that this week that you would be on purpose and I think the best thing we can do as we end today on Palm Sunday is that we would actually take our own palms not a branch off a tree but our own palms and surrender them afresh and say you know what God you said go you said reach you said make disciples you said go and find. You said go and seek. So the Palm Sunday offering I bring to you today is the surrender again of these hands, of my life, of my voice, of my willingness. So all across the house, I'd love us to stand to our feet. Palm Sunday. What a moment. But wow, just a few days earlier, what a reminder. 
So for every single person here in the room, online, in another location, I'm just asking you, if you want Palm Sunday to be a place where you give Him your best offering, where you say, I'm gonna do what you found yourself doing on the beginning of Holy Week, then I want us just to lift our hands and extend our palms. This is our offering today. Some of you are like, I don't know, I'm not, very t- I'm not very bold. It doesn't need you to be bold. It just needs you to be willing. Well, I don't know which tree, you'll find it. Well, I don't know how to have the conversation, you'll get it. It begins with this. So God, we on Palm Sunday lift our palms. This is our act of honor. This is our act of surrender. Oh God, I pray today in this house that these hands would so represent our willingness to go seek. I pray these hands would remove obstacles this week. I pray these hands would shake hands this week. I pray these hands would embrace broken this week. I pray these hands would be the hands of kindness this week. I pray these hands would open doors this week and shake branches this week. I pray these hands would put invites in people's hands. I pray these hands would lay hands on others that don't know you yet this week. I pray that our Palm Sunday offering will be the palms of our hands surrendered afresh. All across the room, just in this moment, you can keep your eyes closed and lower your hands. There's one more thing I have to do. I have to do it because I know that today there's a Zacchaeus up a tree. I know you're in this service and you're up a tree and you're hiding and you're hoping that this moment doesn't happen right now and you're hoping that time's run out, but time has not run out, my friend. There is time for you today. There is time for you, the prodigal, to come home. There is time for you, for the lost, to be found. And I am standing at the foot of your tree today and I'm saying, Zacchaeus! come down. Lost person, come home. Prodigal, run to the father. Person hiding behind addiction, come to the one who can break the chains. And I don't know in this room or online today where you are, but if you know that you are not right with God, that you need Him as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to wait till next Sunday. You can have your miracle now so that you can be His hands and feet this week yourself. So I don't know where you are, but I know you're somewhere. I know you're in a tree. I know you're hiding behind something. So if you're saying, today, that's me. I need to come down. I need to run towards Jesus. Just stick your hand high in the air, right where you are, even at home. Respond in an actual outward action. All the hands that are raised. Come on, this is your moment today. You are in the room for this moment today. He sees you. He's calling your name. He's not judging you or condemning you. He's inviting you. He's saying, immediately, come down immediately there's going to be a change. So for every hand that's raised, God, I thank you for every single one right now who's reaching a hand to you, pushing past embarrassment and shame and sin. And you are right there, right there, taking a hold of their hand, reminding them of who they are, calling them pure and innocent, calling them blameless, calling them forgiven, calling them washed clean, calling them welcome home, child of God. God, I thank you that today, as they put their hand in yours, that is the beginning of their journey of being those that go and seek and find others that have hidden like they have for years. May salvation be yours today. May a new beginning be yours today. May the old be gone and the new begin in the name of Jesus today. We thank you for the miracle of salvation in every heart that's responding. We give you all the glory for it. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen.